Welcome to Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life, a broadcast of Purdue University Extension, where we cut through the hype, explore the science behind food and nutrition, and provide practical tips for incorporating healthful strategies into everyday life. Welcome everyone to this episode of Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Today we are here to talk about something that has been on the top of our thoughts for the past two years, and that is our immunity. If we are exposed to pathogens, the strength of our immune system is a large factor in how sick we become and how long it takes us to recover. Today we are going to take a look at factors that affect our immunity and if there's anything we can do to actually boost our immunity. But first, let's start with some definitions. Immunity is simply defined as your ability to resist a particular infection or toxin. And there are two types of immunity. Innate immunity is our natural resistance to infection. The second is adaptive immunity, which is a resistance to infection that is developed with your body, within your body as a result of exposure, either through vaccination or previous infection. In other words, your immune system, quote unquote, remembers the infection and maintains a guard against it. Another word we hear a lot is pathogen. A pathogen is simply any microorganism, such as a bacteria or virus, that can cause disease. Now, immunity can be influenced by several factors, including genetics, environment, lifestyle, and nutrition. Genetics is a non-modifiable risk factor, meaning we cannot do anything to change it. We don't get to choose our ancestors or the genes they pass down to us. And to a great extent, our environment is also a non-modifiable risk factor. Now, theoretically, we can always choose to move or live in a different place, but that is also not always the reality. Lifestyle and nutrition, however, are risk factors over which we generally have a high level of control. And as I say this, acknowledging that different people have different barriers or different advantages that make it either harder or easier to make the most optimal choices. Nonetheless, at some level, however big or small, it is still within our choice. Now, lifestyle factors that can affect our immunity include whether we use tobacco, alcohol, or other drugs, and to what extent we use any of those. Other factors include personal hygiene, such as hand washing, or food safety habits, and other factors such as sleep habits, stress management skills, and physical activity. All of these items can have a big impact on our overall health. But because this is a nutrition podcast, we're going to focus on that last component that can impact our immunity, which is our food and nutrition. Besides, most of the products on the market that purport to boost our immunity are nutritional related. So let's dig into this a bit. A look at the supplement aisle for products purporting to boost immunity tend to include some of the following ingredients, vitamin C, vitamin D, the mineral zinc, probiotics, and then some other herbs or, or um, items such as elderberry, turmeric, cayenne, ginger, and echinacea. So I'm going to start here with probiotics because we actually did an episode with a gut health specialist back in episode 24 that you should go back and listen to for a deeper dive into probiotics. But essentially, probiotics are the friendly microorganisms that, naturally, that are naturally present in fermented foods. These are mostly bacteria, but also can include some yeast. It is critical to note that not all food and dietary supplements labeled as probiotics on the market have proven health benefits. So, while eating fermented foods like yogurt, sauerkraut, or miso can likely help you and definitely are not going to hurt you, 
You should really be feeding your gut microbiome with a wide variety of their favorite food, which is fiber. And fiber can be found in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. Next, let's tackle vitamin C because that really is probably the most popular quote unquote immune vitamin. Now, vitamin C is required for the biosynthesis of collagen, L-cartonine, and certain neurotransmitters. Vitamin C is also involved in protein metabolism. Now, collagen is an essential component of connective tissue, which plays a vital role in wound healing. Vitamin C is also an important antioxidant and can have a regenerative effect. In addition to these functions, vitamin C has even more roles in our immune function and can improve the absorption of non-heme iron, which is the iron that we get from plant sources. So, yes, of course we want our daily dose of vitamin C. However, does taking extra doses during cold season help? Well, first, our body will only absorb what we need. When getting a moderate amount of vitamin C, our body will absorb most of it. However, if you increase those intake levels by eating more oranges or taking supplements, your body may only be absorbing up to 50% or even less. And you know where that other 50% goes? Yes, straight down the drain. In general, studies show that taking vitamin C supplements does not alter the risk for getting a cold in the general population. Zinc is another popular one we hear about with warding off colds and is frequently added to cold remedies and throat lozenges. Zinc is involved in numerous aspects of cellular metabolism. It is involved in the activity of approximately 100 enzymes and it plays a role in immune function, protein synthesis, wound healing, DNA synthesis, and cell division. Zinc also supports normal growth and development during pregnancy, childhood, and adolescence, and is required for a proper sense of taste and smell. So again, quite an important micronutrient. A daily intake of zinc is required to maintain a steady state because the body does not store zinc. However, overt zinc deficiency in the United States is uncommon and is usually due to having a restricted diet or having some underlying medical condition. Toxicity can be a concern and certain zinc-containing health products have actually been removed from the market due to their negative side effects. As with other vitamins and minerals, taking zinc products is only going to boost your immune function if you have a deficiency. And if you think that is you, please work with your medical provider to make sure you get to the bottom of whatever is ailing you. The other popular immune vitamin is vitamin D. So vitamin D, you may also hear referred to as calciferol, is a fat-soluble vitamin. And what is significant about that is that you need to be sure that you are having some sort of fat in your diet with the meal where you are getting your vitamin D in order for your body to be able to absorb it. Vitamin D is naturally present only in a few foods. It is added to others and is available as a dietary supplement. Our body can also absorb ultraviolet rays from the sun through our skin and convert it to vitamin D through a series of processes. Vitamin D is connected to bone health due to its role in calcium and phosphate absorption. It is also related to inflammation reduction and influences processes such as cell growth, neuromuscular and immune function, as well as glucose metabolism. As mentioned, vitamin D is naturally found in a limited number of foods, and Americans actually get most of their vitamin D from fortified foods such as milk and milk alternatives. 
orange juice, and ready-to-eat breakfast cereals. Some estimates show that less than 10% of people actually consume enough vitamin D. However, measures of actual blood level show a much smaller percentage of people who may be at risk for vitamin D deficiency. This is due at least in part to the vitamin D that our body makes from sun exposure and other challenges with the way um, vitamin D is measured in our body. For vitamin C, D, and the mineral zinc, have also been studied in connection with COVID-19. For vitamin C, while there may be evidence of use in cases of extreme illness, it's important to note that in those cases, the vitamin was administered in conjunction with other prescription medications. Either way, there was definitely no evidence to promote use in those who were only mild or moderately ill. Likewise, for vitamin D, supplementation has not been shown to clinically improve patient outcomes and there are risks associated with excess vitamin D, including, paradoxically, weakened bones and potential kidney damage. As for the mineral zinc, recommendations are strongly against using zinc supplementation above the recommended daily allowance. Please note that this recommendation against was in bold. The main reason being that excess zinc can ironically cause other deficiencies, namely copper, that can have severe and irreversible effects. It is important to note that smokers, those with limited food variety, either by choice such as dieting or due to lack of access to different foods, or those with eating difficulties such as poor, poor appetite or sore teeth, and those with certain chronic conditions may actually be at higher risk for nutrient deficiency. If you are concerned about your nutrient status, talk with your healthcare provider or dietitian about the best plan of action to assess whether or not you might actually be at risk. And then one final word about supplements in general. Some nutrients have had more research than others, and there are many individual factors that must be considered before choosing to use supplements, including other possible medication interactions, your overall health state, and presence of other disease. Moreover, some micronutrients have a very narrow window between what is safe, beneficial amounts, and what is considered toxic. Ultimately, we encourage you that rather than focusing on pills or supplements, that you strive to eat a variety of foods from all five food groups. If you want to learn more about how supplements are tested, or if you have a specific one you would like to learn more about, we highly recommend you visit the National Institutes of Health Office of Dietary Supplements website. If you just do a web search for the Office of Dietary Supplements, it should be in the first search result. On this site, they have compiled years of research to make recommendations and can refer you to that research if you want to dig even deeper. With that, we want to sign off by saying thank you for joining us for this episode of Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Come visit us on Facebook or Instagram at Bite by Bite Nutrition for Life. Until next time, remember to ask questions, challenge the myths, and stay true to you.